Hi, this is High Notes with Dr. B, and I'm your host, Dr. Denise Ritter Bernardini. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you will find this and every other podcast inspirational and informative. And if you're like me and you're a curious person and you like to learn something new every day, then you and I will get along quite well. I am an avid reader and love to learn, and it is my hope to bring something new for you to think about or to learn about every podcast. Thank you again for spending your time with me. Hey everybody, my guest this week is Kim Riley. Kim worked in the field of public health education where she gained an invaluable lesson working with disadvantaged communities. She has traveled uh, to over 48 countries and has lived in two. She's an outdoor enthusiast and also lives in Denver, Colorado with her husband of 30 years and has two grown daughters. Kim knows a little something about that second act. She now loves to work with women in their midlife years. She likes to help women who are stuck in overwhelm, stress, or confusion about what to do next, and to help them speak their truth and their purpose and to have greater impact in their lives. She loves to use it in a playful way, so she's fully on board with wigs and props and anything you can bring to your imagination. She's a certified level two teacher of the art of the feminine presence, and loves to teach her clients using simple body-centered practices that helps them amplify their feminine and magnetic presence and supports them in exploring their own unique power and wisdom. Let's welcome Kim Riley. Hi, Kim. How nice of you to join me today. Hi. Yes, fun to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, thank you. I, uh, you caught my interest when we were in a women's group that we're both part of and you disappeared out of the, out of the, um, camera for a minute and then you popped up and you had on a whole different look. (laughs) Hey, this lady's fun. I love fun. My grandma says if it ain't fun, don't do it. So (laughs) I'm going to talk to her. She looks fun. (laughs) And you were yeah. on, and you were doing a wig thing. Tell me about the wigs. So the wig thing is funny. So yes, I came on. We met each other in a women's group, and I was my normal self with my normal hair, and I have a short haircut. And, and as a midlife woman, it's starting to get gray a little bit, which is fine. Whatever. I've never dyed my hair. Nothing. I've never even paid much attention to my physical looks. I don't wear a lot of makeup. All of that. And I thought you know, whatever people will like me how I am or they won't. It's up to them. I don't have to dress up and make myself look a certain way. But then I was gifted all these wigs, these nine different, nine different wigs. Well, and I thought somebody give that to you. I mean, that's really, I can't imagine going, you know what? I'm going to give a whole bunch of gifts to Kim today. Yeah. Because I met her, this woman, um, in another group, another women's group, that's not just women, another group I'm in, a coaching group. It's like a coaching support network group, whatever. And uh, I had said I wanted to really come out and, and be about more self-expression. I wanted to be more self-expressed in my coaching work. I wanted to help women become more self-expressed and just come out and play and, and all of that. And I can't remember, I bought one of my wigs and I can't remember if I bought the wig, 
if I bought the wig before she saw me, maybe I did. And she goes, oh my gosh. She said, you could do some really fun things with wigs. <laughs> so she, she's had her own businesses for a while, but one of them was um, in health and wellness. And she said, I was on a TV show <laughs> and every week I had to look different. So I have all these wigs. I have tons of wigs. If you're really serious about wigs, I can just give you so many wigs. Half of them I don't even use anymore. <laughs> so I was like, sure. And wigs aren't cheap, right? They're like two to $500 a piece. I'm like, okay, I'll go buy one wig. Right. Then I got all these different wigs and I thought, okay, now this is fun. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you ever, do you watch, have you ever watched Schitt's Creek? So I have not watched Schitt's Creek. I do know about, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm kind of addicted now to a couple of other series. <laughs> well, you need to watch. But, yes. I know about it. Really good show. But, but I, I just was, you know, imagining Moira, who's one of the lead characters in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, being able to part with her because every wig has a name. She, all, all the wigs, this one has a name and that one has a name and they're her babies and it's really funny. And uh, <laughs> I can imagine her going, you know, I don't wear them anymore. I'm going to give them to you because she would never do that. But anyway, so. I don't know, but that's a good idea. I mean, I need to give my wigs names or myself new names every time I'm wearing a wig. I don't know. I think that's probably more like it. So what, so, Okay. Help me understand because, you know, the listener's probably going to go, oh, well, this is crazy. Um, so you want to wear wigs or you wanted to try to see about wigs because you wanted to be more expressive, not just in your appearance, but, but it sounds like you're trying to give yourself personality, your personality, like permission to be more out there, to be more, um, more have more colors, if you will, to play with. And you're already those things because we're all already those things. I, I have a, a, a friend who's a psychotherapist. And one of the things she says is she's like, you know, there's really no such thing as multiple personality disorder. Of course, she's kidding really, but she's like, really and truly, we all have multiple, multiple personalities. We just choose which ones we really want to put out there. And I, I do find that I think that, that the older I get, the more I think that that is probably true, that we have these personas and these personalities that we give permission to be out there. Totally. I mean, it's, it is totally that because I do think we have all these different personalities and ways of being in the world. And, and again, as I'm working with, with women who have been in life for a while, right? Like four decades, five decades, six decades, like it's a long time. We have a lot of different experiences and a lot of different roles we've had through life, whether we've been married or not, mothers or not, um, wives or not. I mean, you know, co-workers stay at home for a while, then go back to work. I mean, so many different roles and ways we've had to be through the years. And, um, and I just think there's, I mean, this isn't true of all women by any means, but I just think there's this, there's this tendency of like, keeping ourselves down. And even though we have all this inside of us, we don't just readily bring it out. You know, we have the wisdom we've developed through the years and all these roles and all that, but we don't still bring it out. So what I love or easily. So that's why I love the wig thing, at least for me, because it's just like, it's just, a, it's a safe way. You know, it's kind of like a safe way to bring out fun and play because I don't, 
Yeah. So it's just a safe way to do it. And then once you're in that kind of, and I do believe a lot in the physiology and changing your state, you know, your physiological state that you're in and the impact that that has on your psychology and how you talk and how you work and how you be with other people. And this is just a great way to change your physiology, <laughs> you know, is to have some kind of safe way to do it. And wearing a bunch of different wigs, I mean, it's, it's fun. It's a very safe way to come out. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're a life coach. Yeah. Do you call yourself a life coach? Yeah. Um, you're a life yeah. coach and you, you help women specifically or both men and women? I have so far with my practice, it's been women only. Yeah. I'm not that I'm not open to working with men. Mm-hmm. But it's been women, it's been women. And I think the reason I've selected that or that worked with that so far is but with women so far is because that's <laughs> that's what I am. And I do really believe that to for, for me to be the most helpful I can be as a facilitator, a coach, is to work with people with with women who are um, like I am, you know, or stuck in some place where I was. <laughs> and I can relate to that more. Men are men are men. They're different. I've been married. I've been married to a man for 32 years. I mean, I've been, I've had a man in my life for a long, long time. A buddy's still different, right? It's not, it's not my same gender. It's not my same experience, but um, I'm certainly open to working with men. And at some point that may happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but right now, yeah, just with women. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And women of a certain age, you, you mentioned like in their mid thirties, usually or older, and um, and it's women who find themselves going through some sort of a life life change in some way or another. And I can imagine that a lot of women may struggle when their husbands decide to retire. I I, I would think that would be kind of a big transition a big that's a huge yeah or when they decide to retire and then what do you what do you do right so what's what's that what's that like so yeah that um i've worked with i've actually only worked with one woman who had just or i don't know how long previous to our coaching work together retired but she she had just retired so others were not retired yet but um I just know from uh, the personal experience of some friends of mine, and my husband and I aren't retired yet. He's, he's in his late fifties and plans to retire in the next five years. And I'm telling him, I'm just getting going <laughs> with my second, uh, second act or whatever. But um, I do know from friends of mine, women and men, both who are retiring themselves or the spouses, right? The, the husband is, or the wife is that it's, it's a huge change. It's a huge change which people know, I guess, intellectually, maybe ahead of time. But then when it happens, it's like, oh my gosh, now what? Like really now what? You know, I've been, I talked to one woman who's been married for, you know, I don't know how long she'd been married, 30 years or something. She's got older kids, kids in their thirties now or late twenties. And and she's like, now I'm with this, I'm with this man. And I, I don't know. I don't know how much we even have in common anymore and the COVID thing has really brought that to a head for her I think that because because he's not yet retired although almost but he's now home not working as much and she's not working which is new for her and it's like oh my gosh okay now now what so yeah retirement is a huge 
has a huge psychological, mental um, impact that I don't think we fully appreciate. You know, it's it's a huge transition time. It's a big change. Right. Right. I know my mom really struggled when my dad retired and she, the, the irony was she was pushing him to retire. She was like, you need to retire. You need to slow down, you know? And then about two years after he retired, she's like, he retired too soon. What? You, you're the one who wanted him to retire, but, but she's, he's at home all the time. Like, I just want him to go. I get no time to myself and I can't, you know, I can't even, when I leave, when I get up to go leave the room, he's like, where are you going? He's, yeah. he, he wants to know, he, he's in my business all the time. <laughs> yeah, and I think with, I mean, I don't want to get too stereotypical here because I think this is true with women as well. But I think when men retire and maybe, and maybe with my age group in our late fifties now, this isn't so much the case, certainly of our generation prior. So when you talk about your mom and your dad, when men retire, it's a, it's a big deal. Like it's been their identity, you know, their work life, their professional life, the, you know, I'm, I'm whatever mm-hmm. I was, whatever their professional identity was. And now it's like, wow, this is a huge change. And women are affected by that too, but I think not as historically, not as long, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I think for men, it's a, it's a big, big, it's a big deal. And I worry about that with my husband a little bit, you know, he's going to be, he's been working for 30 years, going to retire in another five. So he's still got five years, mm-hmm. but we work, you know, as a life coach that I am, I mean, I, I don't, coaching him is a bad idea. You don't want to coach your spouse, <laughs> but <laughs> we talk about, I do talk about, and we do together of like, Okay, what's next for you? Like, really? So it's only five years away. Got it. <laughs> but I mean, that's a ways from now. But really, what, you know, what can you begin to, how can you and us together begin to think of what five years from now is going to be like? Yeah, it's so five much- years goes by like that. I mean, yeah. I look back at five years ago and go, wow, is that really five right. years yesterday. ago? It seems like yesterday, you know? Right, so, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Things can creep on, even though intellectually, you know, they're coming, they can creep up on you, especially yeah. if you're planning. So I think it's really, really uh, wise of you both to go now, what are we going to do? And what are we going to do? In five years? Yeah. Just plan, you know, planning, planning's one thing, but even just starting to get psychologically prepared for that, you know, which I guess is what planning is. I mean, but as we've talked about, it's not like, okay, so from now, Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're going to do this and Thursday, Friday, that. So it's not like being specific with that yet, but it's really, how is this psychologically going to change and what are your interests outside of work? Right. And I would imagine that women in general, uh, you know, when they get, when they have a child or they decide to stay home from, you know, from work to raise their kids. I mean, I kind of made that decision um, when my sons were small until I was forced to <laughs> to go back to work, but uh, making that decision to not go out and pursue my career that I was pursuing in yeah. order to stay home with kids. I mean, there were things about that that were a really big struggle, and I would imagine that that would be something that, of course, Having a coach back then, I don't know. I don't know. People probably did, but I never heard. Yeah, of not it. much. <laughs> I never heard of it, you know. So now that I've had my own coach, you know, 
uh, I'll probably never go back in life to not having some kind of a coach in some way, because it really is. It's, if you have a good coach, it's, it's pretty, it's transformative and it's life-changing and, and just having somebody who can see things you can't see. And that's the key, right? That's the key. Cause I always have coaches as well. Mm-hmm. because that, that is the key. It's the blind spots, right? You can't, you can never see what you can't, you know, you can't see your blind spot. You can't. No. And so when somebody else helps you do that and I, I all, it makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. And I also believe that it's not necessarily, I think a coach is really different than like a, than a friend. Mm-hmm. I had, uh, there was a woman who um, was a client of mine. We just did an interview last week and she was talking, we were talking about that. You know, what's the difference between a coach and a friend? Why can't you just go to a friend for your support? You know, and it's a, it's a really different thing because a friend is a friend. I mean, a friend's not going to necessarily call you on your shit. It's not necessarily going to like say, okay, I got it. You're scared about doing this or taking this leap this week or whatever it is, but you know, can you do it? Will you do it? Stay accountable to it. I'm here to support you. It's a really different. It's a really different um, role than a friend. Yes, it is. I mean, uh, you and and certainly you can like somebody, but doesn't mean that you have that kind of friendship. And I I think that um, you know having someone hold you accountable. It's funny because and support you, but people think of support sometimes as being, oh, you can do it. You just you go out there, you can do it. I know you can. Right? That's their idea of support. But actually, sometimes support is what you did not. You said you would. Why didn't you? Right. Keeping you from doing that. What 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 are you believing that is not true, and therefore you didn't do that thing? Like really sort of holding your feet to the fire can also be support. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's just kind of a tough love kind of support, which we all need. Yeah. And I, and I'll be honest to say that as a coach, I'm not always right on top of the tough love. Like, you know, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta stop this or whatever. I'm not, I mean, I'm not an aggressive person that way. So I also know that, yeah, it can be the most supportive to really you know, to really help them see a limiting belief, a limiting pattern they have going on mm-hmm. and really to bring light to that. Mm-hmm. So I do it in a calm way. And sometimes I think, oh, that was much too peaceful of a way. Maybe I really needed to kick them in the butt a little bit more, but that's not my nature. But still, it's it's a really important role for a coach. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think so. I, I've not had a coach who's been really aggressive with me, but usually you know, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty much my worst crit own worst critic. So always, I'll probably say it before they do. <laughs> always. And that's the other role of the coach. That's the opposite role of it, right? Which is kind of that friendship role, maybe, mm-hmm. but it is being that, um, being the person who can really help, who can really help the client find their own strengths and be, find where they're, where they are making those limiting beliefs of I'm not good enough or all, you know, all the, you know, iterations of I'm not good enough you could possibly think of. Right. Right. Um, and the coach is really like helping you find that spark, find that inner strength and really supporting them, you know, being there for them, them, even though they're not there for themselves yet. Kind of idea. Mm-hmm. And I think also think the older I get, the more I recognize that everyone I know pretty much, I can't think of a single person, Kim, 
that would not tell you that they believe they're that they believe they're enough. Most people, I'm going to say 99.9% of everyone I know would tell you, "Oh, I I didn't do enough. I'm not enough. I, I I'm not as good as." And I do think this has has exasperated that feeling yeah. of comparing ourselves. Yeah. I don't know if you hear my dog in the background. Sorry. Somebody's oh. dropping something off. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. this is the, the, nobody's in studios anymore. We're all in homes. So. <laughs> okay. Be quiet. He's like, oh, I hear the dog barking in the podcast can get over themselves because we're all home. I know, and I'm like, okay, somebody doesn't know that I'm on a podcast right now. So <laughs> anyway, hopefully they go away. And we what show kind up. of dog is it? We'll just talk about I that. don't know. She's a mix, and she's a very gentle, sweet dog, and she thinks she's like this big, this big, big mean whatever, and she's not at all. But when somebody's knocking at the door, she's letting them know people are home. Yeah. Not more <laughs> um, yeah. But so yeah, I mean, it's definitely true that there's that people. Yeah, I, I've never met a person either that doesn't think on some level somehow they're not good enough with something about something about themselves. So the coach plays a really important role in that. Yeah, it's a struggle. It is. It is. It always is. It is for me, you know? <laughs> so maybe I'm, I mean, I'm five steps or three, maybe only two sometimes in front of my client with some certain situation. And there's other situations. That's why having a coach for myself is so important. Some situations where I'm like, I can't coach on that because I'm like in the middle of that myself. I'm a coach and I, I, but I'm a different kind of coach than you are, but I, but I certainly understand that, uh, and have always felt this way, especially as a teacher and, uh, you know, on higher ed, which is different than a coach. That's a very different thing. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I am limited by some of the things that I can say and do at a university that I'm not limited in as a coach, but I certainly, uh, know that in my teaching or leading or mentoring that I often learn the same lesson along with the person that I'm teaching the lesson to, you know, that I learn things too by my own discussion with someone. And sometimes when they have a question or an aha moment or a moment where they're like, wait a minute, are you saying, I'm like, hmm, yes, that is what I'm saying. And right. Why? Do I need to listen to my own advice? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I get that, you know, you, you lead people, but sometimes you you are just one step ahead. Not, not, you know, it's a lesson that you're in the process of learning yourself. I don't know. Life, I think life for all of us is kind of the same basic path, but we just take little, little jaunts here and there that separate us maybe. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. Another aspect of coaching that I love is, you know, the coach really helps you see, helps you get to whatever, whatever the, the kind of real problem is or real concern or real issue is underneath it all. Like I, you know, I, you don't necessarily know as a client coming into any coaching situation, what your problem is. You come with a concern Mm-hmm. But then you find out that, yeah, it's the blind spot piece, right? That there's something underneath that, that once you resolve that, or even even bring it to life, I become aware of it. It's usually relationships, don't you find? Like, yeah. <laughs> relationships, it's either relationships with the person that you're living with or your relationships at work 
or your relationships with your family. I, I, I'm always kind of amazed that when people are like, I can't seem to get ahead at work. My husband and I don't get along and I don't speak to my sisters <laughs> or my mother, you know, and you're like, hmm, if it's everybody else, maybe it's not everybody else. Like what's, right. what's happening with you? So. Yeah, no, relationships is key, key, key. I mean, even though, you know, as I, I, I talk out there and my message and who do I work with, you know, women who are in some sort of transition, I don't specifically name relationships as what I work on with people, but I do think that, yeah, that really is, it's kind of, it's the, it's the foundation of everything. And, do you, you know, how are we being in relationships? Yeah. And do you think it starts with the relationship people have with themselves? It definitely, that is a, yes, that's a big, big part of it. It does start there. Cause I think where there's a lot of, you know, we can really get into this blaming the other person. And, you know, when people talk about the other partner being really, you know, having a lot of narcissistic type behavior, grandiosity, whatever you call it. I don't love the, that term narcissist, but um, narcissist to a certain extent. Yeah. So there's, there are definitely people who are very self-centered, very like, um, you know, the world's all about me and pay attention to me. And so somebody in partnership with somebody like that is going to have challenge mm -hmm. that different from somebody who may not be with in a partnership with somebody who is all so self-centered, but even so, I, I think there's a lot of back to your thing of this, does it start with the relationship with yourselves? There's a lot that you can learn and become aware of in yourself that helps you see how you maybe attracted somebody more narcissistic to begin with. <laughs> um, but then if you are in that relationship, how, you know, what's your role in it? Right. You know, that you're, you're, it does on some level always take two of you. Yeah. So it is a lot of learning about yourself and your relationship with yourself. And, and when someone says, comes to you and says, I cannot deal with this man I'm with anymore or this, per or this woman I'm with anymore or whatever. And they, they, um, I'm just, I, this is not real, real world to me. So I, I'm not throwing my husband under the bus, but yeah. they don't, then they're never on time. They, um, they don't have the same political beliefs that I do. Um, I didn't really realize how different we are until, you know, we had to be stuck in the house together all the time or whatever they may say. And now that the kids are gone, I'm realizing that we just, we, we, we don't have anything in common and I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to do it. What do you, where, where do you start with that? Well, it kind of depends how they come, right? Like if, if they're really like, I'm just done with this or, but okay. If a client comes and she really is like, I don't know where to go with this. There's still, that means to me, a part of her that wants to see if this is if this can be repaired, right? Like there's still some inkling of, hmm, I want to see. Um, and so that's an opening. So that, that, that's what I feel is the opening to saying, okay, well, let's look at this. Um, and where are you, again, where, where, what's your, 
you know, what's your role in this? So when you have an exchange that's not good and you blame him for this or that, you know, what else? There's a lot of times we have assumptions that the reason our husband was this or the reason he did this is because of X. And so it's helping them. So that's part of it. I help them. Let's, let's talk about your assumptions, where they come from, how, again, does it relate to you? Are you not feeling totally secure in yourself? Are you giving away your power? Mm -hmm. And because it, when, when we feel, so if, if I work with a woman and one of the recently a woman I worked with, that was really eye-opening for her of, cause she came to me and she's in a relationship with a woman. She came to me with a very, she's like, you know, she's taking advantage of me. She's taking advantage of me financially. She asked for money. That's all she wants and blah, 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 blah. All this like negative stuff. And it was helping her shift to like realize how she's giving her own power away. So she didn't have boundaries. So it was a lot of talking about, let's set some boundaries for yourself. What do you really need? What do you really want? When you get asked this, or like in this case, this woman, when you get asked for this money for this, it's sitting down and saying, okay, let's have a conversation about this. Why do you need this? Why, you know, whatever it is about. But for her, that was the foundation of it. She came to realize that she wasn't setting boundaries. And so this woman was walking all over her, mm -hmm. you know, so it was that, you know, you're giving your power away. So sometimes it's that. Yeah, you, sure. you can complain about your husband all you want. And is that on some level, somewhere, somehow are you giving up your own power and not having your own boundaries? Because yeah. once you start to set some of those, mm -hmm. then the relationship does start to mend and there's not as much complaint and blaming. It's all about you and nothing about me. <laughs> right. Yeah, I find, uh, I, I find that um, women of a certain age uh, have a harder time. And, and maybe that's not even fair. I don't know. I just, I compare myself to like my, I'm the baby. So my sisters are older and I, and I have a deceased sister. So I really only have one sister left, but I do remember what my, my oldest sister, what her relationship was like with her husband. And I know what my mom is like, and I know what my aunts are like and everybody that, you know, are older than I am by, by at least 11, 10, 11 years that they have these really traditional relationships with their partners where mm -hmm. there's one person who does the household and there's another person who does the outdoor or whatever, you know, and uh, there are these very traditional gender kinds of boundaries drawn. Right. And, um, and it, it's something I cannot relate to at all. And so when my sister, you know, or not just my sister, when somebody complains that I know about, that's like, that I know that's a lot older than I am, that'll say, well, you think he'd get up and make himself a sandwich. I mean, I'm like, well, who taught him not to do that? I mean, if you don't want, if you don't want that responsibility, tell him to get his happy ass up off the couch and go make it himself. Like, <laughs> well, why are you blaming him for doing what you've always done as a couple? Yeah. So that just reminds me, I was yesterday, I think it was, or maybe it was the day before I was, it was, yeah, it was the day before. Um, I am in a, uh, another coaching group. This is very different, um, ways I'm getting coaching, but, but the facilitator, the woman who was teaching this class, she talked about, well, first of all, one of my co-coaches was saying how 
she was working with somebody on her website and he was extremely angry with her, like extremely angry. Like, this is what I do. You're not giving me enough information. This is, so they got into this back and forth. So when we, when she was describing this, the, the coach who was leading our group said, when somebody's being angry, there's, there's an element in there of where you as the person who's being yelled at, same thing, is giving away your power. You, you're allowing that person to be angry at you. That person is seeing an opening somewhere. They're seeing an opening somewhere like, huh, she's not saying no to me in terms of me being angry. There's, there's that person sees an opening. Mm-hmm. So it's not like for her then, who has this man, this website manager yelling at her, it's not that she should go back at him, which is what people do often with getting angry back. Like if you do that, well, then I'm this, right? Like I'm going to stand up and get angry right back at you. Mm-hmm. That's not the, that's not the healthy response. That's not the response that's going to get, that's going to resolve that anger. That's just getting back at the person with the same thing they're coming at you with. Mm-hmm. It's more, it's, it's more of what it, take your power back saying, not getting angry saying, okay, this is what you, this is what you're saying. This is where I stand. This is what I need. This is what I need for my website in this case, or what, you know, I don't know. This is, yeah, this is what I need. And can you give that to me or can you not? This is, you know, I don't know. I don't know how this woman will work with it, but I just thought it was really interesting. Like somebody who's really angry, you're allowing the person being yelled at is allow on some level is allowing that to happen. Yeah. They're, they're perceiving that you're, that you're going to take whatever they dish out in some yeah. way. Yeah. They have an opening. You're well, giving an opening. Yeah. And I mean, I, 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 although I will say Kim that I think there are some, some people uh, and so again, a, a certain age group that they see a woman and they think I can talk to her any way I want. And if it, and if it were a man, they would not, they would not be following up and being angry at that man. I know that's a fact because I've experienced it myself. Right. Where he's not as he has that or feels he has that right to be more angry at her or more whatever. I'm just to talk to a woman in a certain way, in a certain tone, you know, I mean, I get that, you know, when I go have my car fixed, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And yeah, one way my husband comes in and they, they have a whole other different demeanor. You know, so absolutely. There's that, that aspect of it, but but I mean, I don't know the situation. And I'm just saying, you know, you, just by being a woman sometimes gives people the the perception that they can speak to you in a way that they would not speak to you if you had a different look. Right. If you were a man or you were, di- yeah, had a different look. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I still believe that the woman has even in the face of that, has a way to respond. Sure. Oh, yeah. It's more powerful for her. Even if if he's coming at her unfairly, right? Because absolutely that's true. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. I mean, the whole Me Too movement, all of that, right? I mean, men are taking huge advantage of women. Mm -hmm. But there's also a way that women can respond. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, more more effectively or more, mm-hmm. you know, more uh, what supports herself more than other ways that she can respond. Right. 
Right. And I also think there, the mat, some of what I teach is, is feminine presence. And we, and we talk about, you know, being present as a, as a powerful woman and how do you come into your femininity? What do you mean by that? Explain that. Um, so we off, okay, I'm not gonna say often cause I'll I get myself, cause I don't know, like I think women are different, but women can get into a place where they think mm-hmm. that the way that I'm gonna be listened to, the way that I'm gonna be paid attention to, whatever it is, is to be kind of masculine back at whoever. Like mm-hmm. I can, I can, you know, I can show you, I can be, I can be, um, you know, I can put on my hard self. I can be very productive. Like, let's talk linearly. Let's go like, boom, boom, boom. I don't have to show my emotions. Like I, I can meet, you know, women will get into this thing. Like, oh, I'm not supposed to be emotional. I'm not supposed to, um, you know, be, uh, I really do have to be very direct, A, you know, with what I have to say and all of that. Um, but I think when we get more, when we, when we act more masculine, it doesn't feel, if our primary essence is feminine, it doesn't feel good to be masculine. So one example of just how, because a lot of the work that I do is around your, phys- your physiology again, your, your physical body and how you present it. I do this practice called the activation points. And there are masculine activation points in your body and feminine activation points in your body. And so it, uh, I'll teach that, like, what are these different feminine activation points? And if they really engage that part of their body in a certain way that's more feminine, how does that feel? Versus if they engage that part of their body in a more masculine way, how, masculine way, how does that feel? Hmm. And really seeing that difference. And where do you feel like you were the most you know, in your skin and feeling like you are powerful and you have that just stability and certainty and confidence mm-hmm. when you're in your masculine or in your feminine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so often for a lot of women, it's, they feel more comfortable in their feminine. Although not always, because I've worked with a woman too. It's like, no, you know, and there's another practice I do walking in your feminine, walking in your masculine, walking neutral, mm. you know, like walk, like physically walking these different ways. And I want them to say, well, I'm just most comfortable in my neutral. You know, when I'm neutral, that's, that's where I feel the most comfortable. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting then having the discussion, do you really feel most comfortable when you're neutral? Or is that just what you've done over the decades? <laughs> and where do you start to feel like your energy rises? And where does it fall? So it's wrapped into a lot of different discussion. But when we talk about heart's desire and what makes you feel good in the moment, like feel gives you more energy in that moment, it's often a more feminine way of being or feeling that gives her that energy in the moment. But you're not talking about seduction and you're not talking about like, you know, a woman dressing a certain way to get what she wants when she walks in a room. That's not what you're talking about, right? Yeah, it's definitely not about, no, it's definitely not about that. It's not about seduction and, um, and it's not about, yeah, it's definitely not about having to look a certain way or be a certain way. It's discovering for yourself what, what feels the best. And often like, okay, so one of the activation points just to be more concrete about it. So 
women and differentiating masculine and feminine, women physically, the way they hold their bodies, if they're more along the lines of, of wanting to express or feel more comfortable in their feminine essence, they'll, they're, they'll be off center a little bit the way they stand, like hips off center a little bit. We'll just be a little bit off center. So when I, when I'll ask a woman, so just have your, when you stand here in front of the group, just be a little off center with your hips and you know, one foot in front of the other or whereas for men, what is feels most comfortable to them is to be very symmetrical. So if we do these fat activation points with the men and I say, you know, keep your shoulders, like think symmetrically, shoulder, shoulder, you know, even with each other, feet, feet on the grounds, you know, spread whatever hip width apart or just, but being symmetrical, your body being body side to side being symmetrical, they feel more comfortable and more powerful with that. We're often with women and they don't have to be that off balance or whatever, but if they're a little bit, if they aren't so symmetrical, it feels just a little bit better. It feels more comfortable. So that's not being seductive, right? Just to stand off center a little bit. Sure. But that's just like one of the three activation points I talk about. Yeah, that's very interesting. I, I like that. I haven't thought about that much. Um, yeah, when we hold and do things with our bodies and ways we're not that conscious of always. And again, I'm, I'm always learning it myself. Mm-hmm. You know, how can I come into my feminine more? If, you know, for me, I do feel more comfortable when I'm, mm-hmm. you know, holding my, yeah, in that instance, holding my body a little off balance. Or, um, so what made you choose the blonde wig today? Oh, I don't know. Because I had this green or I had this uh, teal, dark teal colored uh, shirt on, sweater on, <laughs> and I wanted contrast because right before I got on with you, I was uh, I was doing. I'm committing every day to get live on my Facebook profile, mm-hmm. and I have a class coming up that I'm talking about, but not just talking about the class, but um, I have some sort of value or teaching that I'm offering. Anyway, so I'm on camera and I wanted contrast, so I'm like I'm looking. Okay, what what wig am I going to wear this time? <laughs> so. I have my blonde wig. It's more blonde than, yeah, than my regular hair. <laughs> so that there'd be contrast. If you had a, had a plan when you chose your wig today. <laughs> do you feel different? Like when you put it on, do you like feel different in, in each one? Does each one bring out a different side of your personality? Yeah, I totally feel different. Yeah, I feel very different. The colors are different. And I've like, yeah, I have one that's like a henna color, you know, like a, the red, red, like a deep, you know, red, and it's long. Mm. It's long. It's like this long, straight, and that makes me feel really different. Then, the <laughs> um, yeah. it does. It, it just has an effect of, yeah. And obviously, when I'm on video, so I see myself. That's, you know, when I can actually see it. Mm-hmm. But even when I had the long, straight-haired one on. I don't have to see myself to feel really different because it's very clear. I mean, the, you know, the, the hair comes down, you know, halfway down to my waist. I'm like, that's long hair. So that's a really different feel. I don't have to look in the mirror to see and feel different. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about your class. 
So I have a class coming up starting January 7th, and it's, it's, a, it's a three series. There's three in the series, but uh, women can take each one different, separate from the other, although they progress through the three. But it's, um, it's basically the first class is about um, how do you know in the first place that you're even in this, I'm calling it tis the season. Okay, so God, it's holiday season. <laughs> but how do you how do you know that you're in this season to begin with, where things aren't exactly what you want, or a little you have some angst around something, or maybe you're or you're bored, or like how do you even dis- discover that I'm in this place where there's some angst? Because I think we we'll, we get caught in that kind of everyday living, and this is just the way life is. We don't really think about it that much. So the first class is about how do you even know where you, that you're in this place. The second class a week later is about how do you then uh, start to love this place? Like this is where you are. This is a transitional period you're in, in whatever aspect of your life. And how do you, how do you really start to love that and live into that? So that's where the self, um, the self care, the self connection um, comes in. And really that finding your spark and finding your, you know, being in the season of your life and how can it be, um, you know, how can it be good? It's not, it's not what you think it is. Like you can make this um, what you want. And then the third class is about, okay, now that you're here, you know, you are, (laughs) and now you know the strength that you have inside. How then do you take those actionable steps to actually now create something? something moving forward, something going into this new year that you do really want. So it's really how do you, what are those actionable steps? And that's where the, you know, accountability comes in and all this, what are you committing to doing? So not just like being in this, in this thing and what do I really want, but then taking the steps to, you know, taking those steps. And, and a big part of that class too, is taking the steps, having the courage and taking the steps anyway. You know, like you don't exactly know where you're going to end up a year from now, but rather than um, not making a move because you can't exactly predict, it's like make that move anyway. You know, like you've got the courage to take just the next step. All you have to do is start taking the next step and that leads to the next and the next. Um, So anyway, it's a three class, it's a, it's a three class series. It's something that's super cheap. It's super affordable. And I'm doing that for two reasons. One, because I want um, women to get to know me, to get into a, th- into, a, into a community set up with me where they don't um, necessarily know that much about me or how I work, um, to do it without a whole lot of risk, right? So they can come in, I'll get to know, get to know you, see if this is something I resonate with. So the, it's a low bar of entry financially. <laughs> um, and then the other reason is just because I want to bring, um, I just want people to be in community. I mean, that, this is what I was just posting on with my blonde hair and my <laughs> before coming on with you is, is that just being in community and connected. And I don't want any of those barriers there. I don't want any reason not to come into community because we can't do, we cannot do any of this alone. Just can't do it alone. So that's the second reason to make it affordable. It's like, come on. Just come, just get in community, get in group with people and see what kind of power that gives you and energy. So yeah, that's great. I love it. 
Well, I think you do important work. I hope I hope uh, some of our listeners will take you up on your on your class. That will be would be great. Yeah. So my, I mean, the best way to find out about uh, about it and me is just to get onto my Facebook profile page, my main profile page. And that's talk Kim, about it on there. Kim Riley, mm-hmm. R I L E Y, and um, and it, how would someone recognize you out of all the hundreds of other Kim Rileys? <laughs> well, first of all, my middle initials in there too, so M. M. Kim M. Riley. But you'll know it because right now in my featured photo image, which is on the side. Well, first of all, my banner image I haven't changed yet, but that's gonna that's gonna have um, just the the description of the class very briefly. But you'll know because my featured image picture has me in four different wigs, and in the center is the center of me. The center picture is of me with my normal self, like my normal hair. Okay, so all those five different pictures of me Riley are right there. (laughs) So that I don't know, there could be other Kim Rileys that have a bunch of wigs on. I doubt it. (laughs) That's how you know. That's how you know it's me. Thank you. Thanks, Kim. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening today, and we hope to see you here in two weeks with a new guest. And as always, peace, love, and courage.